You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 199, covering The Assignment and Trials and Tribulations with Gav Brown. Friends, it's that time. Friend Kirks. Yeah, oh oh yeah, that's what this is from, isn't yep, it? Yep, finally. Friend Kirk. I I will say that uh, Cyrano Jones still no Harry Mud. No. But, but I could good. watch him try to steal drinks all day. Uh, that's terrible. Speaking of drinking, guess who's with us? <laughs> I'm Harry Mud. <laughs> <laughs> you you finally escaped the fate of uh, being stranded on a planet with your horrible robot wives? Uh yes. Um, is that the last time we saw Harry Mudd? I believe that was the last time we saw Harry Mudd. Canonically, oh, wait, he's still wait, wait, there. wasn't he that, in the animated one? Yeah, yeah, that's not canon, I don't think. Is it? It's, ca- it's canon in my heart. Yeah, well. it, if his chest was a canon. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was, that was pretty good there. I know. Good, uh, good, good thing. I know, I'm hilarious. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> the, the thing is... We're doing the um, we're doing the, the the triple episode, the thirtieth anniversary uh, throwback to the original series, which is great. That's the good that, news. But to, to do that, we must first slog through <laughs> the the brilliantly named the assignment. Yes. So everyone, fast forward half an hour. Uh huh. <laughs> Including us. Yes, please. Well, the nice part is we're not going to have to think about this episode anymore after this. Until we uh, write the uh, episode guide. Yeah, well, right, there is that. Gav, you uh, you have the unfortunate uh, uh, task of telling us what happened in that episode, where I was just trying to forget, but uh, now you have to tell us anyway. Yes, so you didn't even need to watch it. I could have just told you all this. Yeah, um, instead of watching it twice. Yes. <laughs> Two well, times. Off I go, then. Please uh, do. Miles Edward O'Brien kills Keiko's bonsai trees and is worried how she'll react when she comes back from Bajoran fire caves for his birthday. But she's acting all nice. That's right, she's not Keiko, but merely inside her body, and will kill Keiko if she doesn't do what she wants. Wait, I thought this was a Miles Edward O'Brien must suffer episode. Between Miles, Rom has become a waste extraction engineer on the station. Yup, he's literally taking the piss. <laughs> During Miles Edward O'Brien's birthday, everyone is having fun apart from him. Even the Keiko being. Well, how could she not be with a quipero she's prepared? The next day, he's had enough and Miles Edward O'Brien decides to reveal all to Cisco, but the Keiko being throws herself off the promenade. With the ultimatum and the help of Rom, he manages to get a lot of the work done. Rom? Jadzia and Cisco discover the fixes, but Miles Edward O'Brien frames Rom, who was, a, who was arrested. Rom reveals to him that the modifications would destroy the wormhole. Rom? It seems the Parraves from the Firegaves are trying to destroy the prophets in the wormhole as they think that they're dicks. He finishes what the Keiko being wants and takes her to a runabout. Once at the wormhole, he activates the emitter. But he switched it. He did it to her. He was the only one safe in there. With Keiko fine again, she says all she could feel was a cold rage as opposed to a hot one. Miles Edward O'Brien kills Keiko's bonsai trees. Never forget. <laughs> I do like your device of constantly mentioning his middle name, which, I, as I mentioned, I believe, last week, yes, is my absolute favorite thing. Yes. What's Hence. his name again? 
It's Miles Edward O'Brien. Ah, <laughs> thank you. I'll I had almost I had almost forgotten. That he was yeah. born in September. <laughs> remember, remember Miles O'Brien's... Edward O'Brien? Yes. Where I was trying to think I don't know anybody else's middle name, but that's not true. I know Benjamin Lafayette Cisco, and I don't know how I know that. Because it's because it's Lafayette. Well, it's he's he's Cajuny, so he's got sort of a Cajuny kind of middle name. That makes sense. In any case, there's not much Cisco in this episode. It's mostly uh, Miles yeah. Edward O'Brien. Yeah, and this... Keiko Edward O'Brien. <laughs> As is the tradition, she has taken his middle name. Yes. Right. Oh boy, I'm just gonna go right into my bad thing. Please Which, do. We, we we know how I feel about possession episodes. I've talked about this before, and, and I'm with Matt 100% on his bad thing when we get to that. But on top of all that, the fucking B story is wrong. It's all my favorite things in one episode. Let the record show that you fucking love ROM. <laughs> oh, God. There's, I've said it before. There's literally only one person in this whole huge extended cast that I do not care for, and it's ROM. Okay, sorry. Uh, Why don't you like me, brother? Okay, let's hear your like. Let's hear your well, defense well, for him, well, Gav. I would well, love to hear. My defense is that he's all right. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, you, who are not a very harsh critic of things, that's the best you can come up with. Yeah, he's yes. all right. He's all right. At least, at least his character. You know, he, he actually is good at things like engineering now, and you know, that's he, true. They have given him something. I mean, I remember back in like the the first season when he was an idiot and a garbage person. That's true. <laughs> Garbage. A what person, Matt? Yeah, they... garbage person. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, no, I would. Nothing. I would even say. I would even say this is where they start to sort of really fix him because they actually give him some plot points and some like he's good at some stuff. And I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, and have him out of uh, Quark Shadow and then into Quark Shadow to find out what he has for breakfast every day. Yeah, <laughs> I will say this: if he's so great, how come he can't eat bacon? Uh, I. J- the thing I don't like, okay, it's the way he talks, which I will never get over. But it's also, it, he wants to. He wants so much to be liked that he will eat the same breakfast as everyone, he will drink the same drinks as everyone, because he wants to fit in so bad. It really does go back to, the, to that thing where he can only remember the last thing he was told. That must be it. And the last thing he was told was what breakfast was. <laughs> but it's like he works the swing shift. Oh, we drink Rectogeno here? Give me a Rectogeno. <laughs> Brother, red alert! Ah, <laughs> oh, he just bugs me. Just bugs me. Why won't you love me, brother? It's like when we watch Data trying to fit in. It was adorable. Mm-hmm. He was always trying to do what other people were doing to fit in, and it wasn't like this. Nope. It was kind of, kind of amusing and kind of, you know, endearing. But Rom, just ugh, stop it. He's yeah, like, he's, he's, he's a little kid who's just all like, I want to do that too. Hey, yep. me too, guys, right? Right? Me too? Uh-huh. What were we going to say, Gav? I was going to say, I want to see Rowan grow a beard like Data. God. A Ferengi with a beard would be well, kind of cool, actually. <laughs> and a skunk stripe. Yes, of course. I think it would be called Stripe. Uh, all right. Uh, Gav, what was your bad thing? My bad thing was the whole O'Brien couldn't tell anyone thing. Because really, I mean, he could have. Well, there was, it was an alright episode. I didn't hate it, but there's just not really mm-hmm. many. There's just so much, so much all right about it that I didn't really. That was know, very uh, middle average. of the road. Yeah, 
but yeah, he, he could have told people on many occasions, mm. and not been so blatant about it that she threw herself off cliffs and things. <laughs> well, um, the thing was, like, it it feel the episode feels like she's watching his every move or whatever, but like she's not. Right, just yeah. hanging out back in his quarters. Yeah, combing Molly's hair. For hours on end. <laughs> yep. This this is another thing. This must be the... I mean, imagine how bad the uh, Power Wraith is feeling that it's having to look after Molly, like, the entire day. <laughs> it must like, be and suffering expected... so much. And plants. Yep. Mo- and then you take a break from Molly to go take care of the plants. Yep. That's yeah. the most exciting it's, part of Keiko's day. It's probably thinking, no wonder Keiko's so annoyed all the time. I would have loved if they'd cut to her trying to do some botanical shit for, her, like, her job. Right. <laughs> yeah, just do the same episode, but from Keiko's point of view. It's like, okay, Keiko, just, uh, you know, uh, do some scans of this plant and make sure it doesn't die. Whoops. <laughs> the thing is, and this is my good thing, I'm not a fan of the nature of the conflict at all. Like, I don't like possession. I think it's dumb. But I think they do a good job of creating some tension. Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's another episode where everything's going to be fine. They're not going to kill Keiko. They're not going to kill Miles. They're probably not going to kill the Prophets. Like, we know everything's going to turn out okay. But it's still got this nice sort of, like, at its best, there's a couple of moments that feel almost sort of Hitchcocky to me. Mm. Where it's like, he's in this horrible situation and he can't tell anyone. And he looks like he's guilty, but there's a reason, but he can't tell anyone. And it's... Like, there's some... I, I get what they were going for. I just wish they'd done it in a different way. They actually do a really good job of sort of playing up the creepy spousal abuse type thing, you know? Yeah. And actually, what they said, what one of the uh, producers was quoted as saying in Memory Alpha was they wanted the whole vibe to be, we're having a party while we're still having a fight and all our friends can't know it and I'm acting like everything's fine. Yeah. Like, that's the vibe. And it's like, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, and that part of well. it is creepy. Mm. It's a new way for O'Brien to suffer. But, yes, quietly. Yes, but on the other hand... Eh. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, actually, your, your, sort of your good thing ties into what, uh, what Gav was saying about uh, the, the, the hairbrushing and so forth. Oh, yeah, no, fucking Keiko kicks ass in this episode. Keiko at, at being or, uh, Rosalind is, Chow. Yeah, yeah. Rosalind, Rosalind Chow fucking is, like... This is a completely different character than she's ever played before. Yep. You know, it's a different kind of evil. <laughs> no, it's not passive-aggressive nagging evil. It's No, it's, it's proper evil. It's regular aggressive. Right. No, no I think she's fantastic. She does, I, we've said that all along, that she's quite good. Yeah, she does a great job of just this sort of weird, like, unsettling, quiet menace that she does, you know? Yep. Like, as she come like, as soon as she comes on, on the ship and starts talking to, to uh, O'Brien... Like, there's something off about her. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's the reveal, and he's all like, oh, are we doing some kind of weird sex game? <laughs> no, I'm going to kill your wife. Yeah, and he's, for for a good, solid 60 seconds, like a full minute, he thinks yeah. this is some, like, I'm not really Keiko, and I'm going to kill Keiko. And he's like, oh. That's... Like, <clears throat> wow. Like, she <clears throat> takes it really far before he has the moment. Yeah, it's like, that's hot and weird. Yeah. That's hot. Are you going to be Bashir again? <laughs> Please? Because that didn't get weird at all. <laughs> Let me call you Julian. <laughs> no, she is absolutely great. And and I feel like they were thinking, you know, all she really does is either nag him or we've tried to make her a little better, like make kissy faces with him. Like she doesn't get much to do. And it feels like they were trying to give her a little more to do. I yeah. just wish it wasn't this. No, there, the, and there's a scene in um, 
when uh, after she's tossed herself off of the balcony, mm-hmm. where he goes to visit her in uh, sick bay, and he's just about to leave, and she's like, "Now kiss me, Miles, in right. front of Julian, and everyone. <laughs> Give, <laughs> come on, more tongue." Wow, wow, yeah, wow. Julian just stands there and watches the yeah. entire thing. I love watching you make out, Chief. <laughs> It's the closest I can get to... Uh... Someday those lips will be my lips. <laughs> and I shall keep them in a jar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's been hanging out with Garrick too long. He's... <laughs> that seems natural to him now. <laughs> Someday those lips will be my lips, and I shall put them where, I, where my lips used to be until Garrick <laughs> took mine. <laughs> Into a very odd relationship, the three of them. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's very complex. That's one word for it, yes. I don't know, I, like, again, I feel like she did a great job, but I wish, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a way they could have written a good Keiko story, like, and I guess the civilian botanist just doesn't really give you any good ins for for stories. Not a whole lot of action botanist stories. (laughs) Right. Well, you don't need action, you just need something. Mm, not Ex- this. Explosions. There should be plants exploding. They should send her to the Apple Planet. Ooh, yes. What does he mean? The planet, for... planet of apples, okay. or planet or the corporation? No, the planet from the episode, the Apple. Yeah. Oh, that apple. Oh. Yes, yeah. where where the plants literally exploded. The plants explode and shoot darts and. Yep. Yeah, they should. No. I thought you were gonna. Mm. Go ahead. But then there would be a sequel to the Apple. Well, that's true. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say shoot Darwin. <laughs> That'd be fine too. Yep. Um, Next episode. Then? I, I. What's that? Next episode then. Yes. Not. not no. Not yet. We're not done yet. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Um, I'm not a big fan of the like. The idea of the evil wormhole aliens does not appeal to me at all. Like, we've seen the prophets. We know what they're like. They've got that sort of weird out of touch with everything mm-hmm. feel to them. Like, every, like every time they talk to the prophets, there's, like, it's very distinct. Yep. Having this one evil prophet possessing Keiko and just, like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like it works at all to me. I'm in complete agreement with you, and I believe Gav disagrees, so I'd like to hear uh, your thoughts on that, Gav. Hi. Uh, yes, I think, <laughs> see, there's the whole thing, you don't, uh, uh, no. Right. I think the thing is that you think it's t- like turning from like a real alien species into good and bad and like a... Well, that's my my general argument. Yes, is that right now it's a just a scientific phenomenon that can be interpreted as religion, but they're not actually benign aliens. They just are there, and the Bajorans choose to believe that they're good. But I don't. I think projecting good and evil on them kind of ruins it for me. Yeah. No, I don't like. They've always felt to be. Like, they want to help the Bajorans, but they're not properly, like, good, like, God is good and aliens yeah. are good. It's Or uh, angels, rather. It's just sort of a general, like, I don't know, they're yeah, okay. It's more, it's yeah, it's more sort of like, what's good for the Bajoran people is good for us. Right. Yeah, but, but they're like an alien species, so they're going to have, I mean, they're not necessarily good and evil, but they're going to have, uh, like, members within them who break rules and things. So you're going to still have a situation of justice where... Instead of putting them in prison, they've uh, thrown them out of the temple, so to speak. I just my my thinking is like the the what we've seen in the prophets is that they like you know they're not interested in being sort of 
religious figures to the Bajorans. Whereas the, the this Pa Wraith we've got is seems very into the sort of like the 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 Bajoran religion. Well, and that's that's my thing is like yeah, I mean they hang out in the fire caves of Bajor. Yeah. Like how much more direct hell imagery can you get than the fire caves? Oh, I think we can do pretty good if we wait a while. Okay. <laughs> we'll wait for the spoiler section for that. <laughs> where where we see people showing up with, with the red suit and horns and pitchforks. But uh, no, it's to me, the show has so far done a good job of walking the line between it could be science, it could be religion. It, 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 you could interpret it as both. Yeah, as and soon as clearly you saying a, like, this is good, this is evil makes it more one side than the other. Yeah, as soon as you introduce a devil character, it's sort of like, okay. Yeah, now it's not walking the line between science and religion anymore. Now it's clearly favoring religion. Yeah. That's well, no, my thought. I, I don't see that. I just see it as like, uh, like you, you see Klingons a certain way, and then you get a Klingon scientist. It's just like the same dichotomy. I agree, except this this one is threatening to kill Keiko and wants to kill... Like, it's all about killing. It wants to kill the prophets. Yeah, she's really into killing. It well, lives it, in a fire cave. Well, yeah, well, that's just its address. It wants to kill... <laughs> <laughs> it wants to kill uh, the prophets just in revenge for being thrown out of the... Uh, wormhole. Celestial Temple. Right. Wormhole. Yeah, I was trying not to say that. <laughs> No, I'm, I I see your point. I don't agree with it, but it is a valid point. And I'm sure, you know, as, as usual, I'm sure our listeners will, will uh, chime in and say that Matt and I are incorrect. And uh, Well, that you, that is the uh, usual go-to. Yeah, it is. I, I will say that our listeners in general are very nice about that. And saying you disagree is totally fine. You're not, like, calling us names or anything. So please continue that. to do that if you disagree. I'm I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> but, you know. It's not like YouTube commenters, for goodness sake. Well, not your YouTube commenters. Well, right. What were you going to say, Gav? No, no, I was just going to... I have no idea. Okay, very well. <laughs> I no, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, The thing is, if this episode were standalone, and I'm not going to spoil anything specific, but if this episode were standalone, I think I'd have less of a problem with it, but they are introducing elements here that we will return to in future scenarios, yes. and I'm not really happy about that. But that's not entirely this episode's fault. This is just one step in that journey. So, you know. Yeah. We'll we'll come back to this. Mm. Uh, what was your good thing, Gav? My good thing was, I mean, it wasn't in it much, Odo, but uh, mm -hmm. there was one particular scene that uh, he was very Columbo-like. And it just, just was, I just uh, made me inordinately happy. He was just very uh, Peter Falk-like in his delivery of lines. Yep. Absolutely. That may have been deliberate, too, because I know oh, I'm sure. there have been deliberate references specifically to Columbo in the past. So uh, that makes sense. This was your quote, was it not? This, this was my quote. And it goes Let's... thusly. <clears throat> Sorry to disturb you, Chief. A couple of things are still bothering me. Rom couldn't have done all this sabotage alone. There were too many changes for any one person to make. Maybe so. Right now, I've got a frequency problem in the cascade feeder. I checked with the repair logs. I was hoping to match someone's movements to the locations where the alterations were made, but I couldn't do that. We had a matrix systems failure yesterday. Those files were lost, sorry. Mm. 
We've had a lot of systems failures recently, haven't we, Chief? That was a fine quote. Uh, Chief, just one more thing. Uh, Mrs. Odo was wondering if, uh... <laughs> also, I have a glass eye. Yep. Well, the thing is, he could have morphed himself a glass eye. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he could have until they took his powers. Then he just had to have one put in. Right. I like, uh, I like that O'Brien, like, cold cocks him. Like, yep. punches him in the face. Because I think... Even Odo doesn't quite yet realize, oh, yeah, I can be punched now. Yep. <laughs> like, it caught him off, like, what? Hey! Oh, yeah, that's a thing that could happen now. Oops. Oh, I've never been punched before. Oh. Ah, my most of me. <laughs> also, they really should do a Deep Space Nine episode where, uh, yeah, where Odo reads the, the Princess Bride to Molly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be all right. Is this a, a kissing book? In the history of romances, there have only been five kisses that were this good. <laughs> the last one was in the last episode between Miles <laughs> and Keiko. Witness by Julian. We did decide that, uh, you know, Odo is still experimenting with being humanoid. He's only been humanoid for, I don't know, a month or whatever it is. And, and drunk Odo is still quite delightful to us. L listen. Shut up. <laughs> L no. <laughs> You, back, Molly? You solids are okay. I don't care what the other changelings think. You guys are good. You're my friend. Quark, you were the best one. To I love, shut up. You might not know this because we're always fighting, but I, I love you, man. You're my friend. Come here. Okay, give me give me a hug. Give, give me three but, hugs. But I'm wrong. Ah! <laughs> Get off of me! <laughs> give me some. Give, give me. Give me some of that bacon. <laughs> you gonna finish that? Uh, I'll that finish. Sweet, sweet bacon. Yeah. I, I, I eat now. I'll I show have... you all. I I do still like the little child actor that they have playing Molly. Yep. Um. There's a, there's a great scene at the beginning where, as as Gav correctly pointed out, do not forget uh, O'Brien kills plants. And um, Molly's like, you're in trouble. <laughs> Mommy's well, going to be mad at you. Why, why don't you tell Mommy you did it? Oh, no. <laughs> this is, I'm not telling her that. She's going to be mad. No, and, this is this is going to distract from the mess I made in the other room. Yeah, this is like, th this kid is, I don't know, five or something, and really good comedy actor already. Oh, like, yeah. there's There's some good deliveries there that are just, the kid... Not quite precocious, but just a bit of like, oh no, Dad, this is your mess. I'm not getting involved, <laughs> which is quite nice. And also, like, the whole first bit of the episode is between Molly and then Bashir. Everyone just sort of running away. Oh God, Keiko's coming! Run! <laughs> it's Godzilla. <laughs> that wasn't a Japan thing. That was just a fleeing in terror thing. Sure, it wasn't. Okay, it was a bit of a Japan thing. Too. Keiko's a big Godzilla fan anyway. Probably. She's into everything Japanese. Yep. That's, that's just her thing. So it makes sense. Uh, what else? So is she, like, wrong then? Does she like everything because all the other Japanese people like it? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. No, I feel like Japan has moved on. Like, I don't feel like, you know, modern in the 24th century Japan is still into bonsai trees and sushi. I think they have you know, moved on, and she's still into, like, traditional Japanese things. Yeah, like vending machines with used panties in them. No, that's, that's, that's the 21st century. Like, clearly the 24th century would be an evolved version of that. <laughs> Replicators <laughs> with used panties in them? 
I don't know. I couldn't. Yeah, replicators with you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I couldn't quite get to the punchline there, so I was setting you up to do it, but oh. I, I couldn't think of it. Yeah. One of those. Y- yes. <laughs> There's a bit where uh, O'Brien's crawling around in the Jeffries tubes, and he's, he's we only have like an hour left or whatever, and he goes, he's talking to the computer, and he goes, "God help me," and I just waited for the computer to say, "God is not on this station." <laughs> <laughs> Or anywhere. Well, yes. They're right there in that hole. <laughs> Not the in God the he's referring to. Right. Uh, also, Star Trek is too cheap to spring for happy birthday. Yep. Because the tyranny of Mildred and Patty Hill still exists in the 24th century. It'll never stop. They sing uh, for He's a Jolly Good Fellow to, to Chief O'Brien. Does anyone on earth in in real life, not in fiction, actually sing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow on people's birthdays? Like I've ever? never heard that. I won't say about that bit. I wish Madeline Kahn was singing the harmony of that. Right? (laughs) See, now I could make a Kahn joke here, but I won't. You're a better man because of reference. Yep. Uh, What else do we have here? I have two ironies. Oh, please. One of them is Quark complaining about people becoming more human. (laughs) And, and the other true. one is Jake's, Jake's irony, accusing O'Brien of almost <laughs> missing his party. I, I can't believe you almost didn't appear in this episode, Chief. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'll just go to school now. That's Jake's uh, only line. I'll see you in six episodes. Yeah. No, he was talking about eight... the fire caves as well. Oh, yeah, right, I want to go to the uh, fire caves. With, with drunk Odo. Right. I, I, I've been to the fire caves. They're not so great. <laughs> Well, Someone I almost... tried to possess me, and I was like, no. I don't have a brain. <laughs> what? Is he, is he the Scarecrow now in Wizard of Oz? He's yes. the Scarecrow and the Tin Man. Why does everyone keep saying that? I took my brain and my heart and my courage and my dog. It was the I dog. hate you, wizard. His, his, his little dog, Odo? Yes. Odo, too? Toto. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> just my notes just keep saying Rom fucking Rom I should feel bad for Rom but I don't I did I did like the bit where um, it took us 40 minutes to just get him to admit his name uh, uh, that made me laugh that made me laugh because uh, yeah, O'Brien had told him uh, basically don't admit what you're doing here uh, like not even your name I, I won't do it like chief that. I won't even tell them my name everyone knows your name Rom yeah but I won't tell them <sighs> Only forty minutes to get him to admit to his name. That that was a good payoff to that. That's like, good uh, comedy. <laughs> Shut up! I'm still drunk. <laughs> I want to call him Dr- Drunk Odo. I want to call him Drodo, but that just makes me think of Drogo, and that's a totally different guy. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else? Um. Oh, I noticed everyone she brings the chief booze for his birthday. Well. Which yeah. Well. <laughs> No, honestly, the thing is, if you are, you know, a, a drinker in the future, like well, if real... you live with Keiko, yes. Well, yes, but if you appreciate real alcohol, like it's hard to come by. Like most of what Quark has, I believe, is replicated. Yep. And mo- you know, like like real genuine, we're still brewing this alcohol is kind of rare, so it's kind of a big deal to someone who drinks. You know, like like that's a thing. I guess. Yep. I don't know. Well, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I want to just stop talking about this episode. What 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 do you guys think? I think we should talk I'm about trials and tribulations. 
Okay. Any any further business before we move on? I want to make sure you all have your your say before we no push forward. <laughs> Gav, uh, no. Very well. I better not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't I wasn't pressuring you. Seriously, if you have something, I am. To say. no, no. Okay, okay. I just I want to I want to make sure we give that episode a fair chance before we all just jump up and down and clap our hands. It's... Although I will say this: what was the deal with uh, Dax? And, you know, not being able to sleep, so going up to the, uh, find out what's going on. Yeah, to going to ops. Why didn't she just watch a DVD or something? (laughs) I don't know. I believe that Dax would go do some nerdy science thing if she couldn't sleep. That just, that feels right to me. I do think it's a little too handy that the entire plot of Orion getting discovered revolves around her not being able to sleep at three Well, she couldn't sleep and just happened to be scanning the wormhole. For the exact thing that he was doing to yeah. it. That, that was a bit coincidental. It's like, that's yes. not even, like, a little easy, but it's also something that they could have, like, they could have uh, covered up really simply. Oh, she could have just seen an alarm saying, this level of radiation is spiking and that's why she's looking, or yeah. something like that, but... Nope, three yeah. in the morning, Dax yeah. is just checking her, uh, checking her wormhole readings, because, well, checking she's... Checking her wormhole readings, that's just... Uh-huh. That's just the I have nothing... Nothing to read into that. Nope, none at all. Let's push forward, Sorry, shall we? Chief, it was 3 a.m. I couldn't sleep, so I had to check my wormhole readings. Well, we've all been there. <laughs> See, that I can believe. Since, <laughs> since I hooked up with Worf, I've had to check the wormhole readings quite a lot. <laughs> and then Worf just appears in the scene and says, me too, and then leaves again. <laughs> See, and I'd assume since she hooked up with Worf, she was checking them way less. Why, uh, because well, uh, she, she had an assistant now? Yes. Right. Doesn't have to nope. check him herself anymore. She's just happy she hasn't hooked up with a Bajoran who always wants to check her celestial temple readings. <laughs> <laughs> Those Bajorans are gross. Yeah, they are. All right, moving forward. Um, so I, I recently had a milestone birthday. I, I turned 40. And a bunch of bunch of people came over. It was a great time. Um, I think it was like 10, 12 people over here. Matt was yeah, here. Was. And, and yes, I was. Several other people who have appeared on this show. Um and I said, you know what? You're all here. I get to watch this. We're all going to watch Trials and Tribulations. And I don't know if anyone was just looking at the screen, but if you looked at me, you would just see this giant fucking like Joker smile for 47 minutes. I was just so delighted. Well, it didn't hurt that we all got you genuine Joker products, too. This is true. <laughs> I, but I only used the, the mouthwash and like and then the hairspray. Like I, I didn't use them in combination. Right. So, you know. Yes. But uh, actually, a quick addendum to that. Uh, we, then we went out to dinner, and they presented me with a gift, which actually Gav orchestrated, which was, uh, I uh, for Emerald City a couple of years ago, I bought the uh, the, the Picard gray uh, Starfleet undershirt, but I couldn't afford the jacket part. It was a bit pricey. And these guys all pitched in. Uh, Gav apparently organized all this and got me the jacket, which is fantastic. So. Yeah, it is. I wanted, I wanted to thank you personally for that, Gav. That was that was a fantastic it, gift. It, it wasn't just me. It was... Uh, well, no, I, I know a bunch of people chipped in, but yeah. uh, but I was told that you organized it. So. Well, it's... So uh, I just... Because just, it's Star Trek just, related and because you're here, I wanted to thank you. Okay. It was only because I couldn't <laughs> be there. Right. Well, and I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I wish you could have been here too, but I understand. All right. So pushing on now... for a birthday party. Yeah, a little, little bit. <laughs> but you would have been able to watch Trials and Tribulations. Indeed. Which you did anyway. <laughs> All right. Let us summarize this. I agonized over this and I said, fuck it. I'm just going to do my best. And this isn't this isn't as good as it could be, but this is not the best summary in the world. It's just a tribute. 
All right. Captain Cisco gets a visit from two humorless bureaucrats from the Department of Temporal Investigations. Official motto, we've heard all your stupid time jokes and they're not funny. They're here for information regarding a recent incident in which Cisco came face to face with another legendary Starfleet captain who hated humorless bureaucrats. James, the R is for Tiberius Kirk. <laughs> Remember Iron Darwin, the undercover Klingon from The Trouble with Tribbles, who was apparently named by Professor Frink from The Simpsons? Well, he's still alive, and somehow he's managed to weasel his way onto the Defiant, just as they've acquired the newly discovered Orb of Time. And so, since 100-plus-year-old men are obviously really good at mastering technology, Darwin easily activates the Orb, zapping the Defiant back to his favorite episode of the original series, The Trouble with Tribbles. His cunning plan involves a violent act that will result in an entirely new timeline, which, of course, is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So, Sisko and the gang scramble to foil Darwin's plot, which involves, no kidding, a Tribble Bomb. This might be a good time to point out that this is literally my favorite single episode of any Star Trek series. Sisko, O'Brien, Dax, and Bashir dress up in 60s-era uniforms and head over to old NCC-1701, no bloody A, B, C, or D, to do a little reconnaissance and make it extremely difficult for me to choose a quote because every single fucking scene of this sequence is absolutely perfect! O'Brien and Bashir head over to Space Station K-7, which has never looked better, and find themselves witnessing a crucial point in history, the formation of the first post-atomic horror running joke. <laughs> I didn't mean to say the Enterprise should be hauling garbage, says Korax, a poofy-haired Klingon of the old-school variety. I meant to say that it should be hauled away as garbage. Then that fight scene happens, only now Odo and Worf and O'Brien and Bashir are all mixed up in it like so much Forrest Gump. Later, O'Brien tells Captain Kirk that he has to pee. Anyway, more clever fan service happens. Dax and Sisko save the day, and everyone goes back home. More or less satisfied, the Temporal Investigations guys take off before discovering that somebody apparently brought one of those furry creatures back from the past. Thankfully, Sisko had the forethought to hide them in quarks, where there'll be no trouble at all. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> Has Pop just eaten itself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we knew it was coming. Yep. So, yeah. I so, was smiling reading this summary, just remembering it from ten minutes ago. It's such a good fucking episode. I mean, let's be clear. This is this is fan service to the highest degree. This oh, is, yeah. But it's, hey, you guys like Star Trek? Eh? 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 <laughs> but it's but, fan service excellently done. Yes, it is. Like, they just, they stick the landing on this concept so goddamn perfectly. Well, you can tell that it was made by people who clearly have the same love of Star Trek. Like, it's easy to get jaded. Like, somebody like Ron Moore, who's been working in Star Trek by this point for at least five years. Mm -hmm. Like, he's been on the inside. Maybe the luster wears off a little bit. But no, he's clearly a fan. Yeah. Because this is written from the perspective of someone who's just as into this stuff as we are. Yeah. And that's what makes it so great. It's like... It's like when Doctor Who would do those ones where the, the various doctors would hook up. It's it's just, Star Trek doesn't do this that often. No. Like, Gav, don't you get a number of those throughout Doctor Who? There are three at the moment. Four. Four. The one I was going to say, you had like the, the three doctors and then the five doctors. And, and then the like... two doctors and then the one last right. year. And, right. The, the 12 X doctors. Plus, the X plus one doctors. <laughs> Which, you know, is like it's always a big deal when you're a fan of something with a big legacy and the old stuff teams up with the new stuff. It's great. And uh, this is actually I uh, a quick little side note here. I was having a thought the other day about how 
they're talking about bringing Shatner and Nimoy into the new movie, and I'm like, oh, that's not a good idea. But then I got this thought. It's the 50th anniversary. What if they do a legacy thing like this? What if they actually try to bring in Cisco and Picard and even Janeway and uh, Archer and try to do a big, giant, like, Star Trek legacy thing? That could be cool. Mm-hmm. And in that, that in that context, I could see Shatner and Nimoy maybe not being bad in that because no. it's, it's a bigger thing than that. That would be our, I don't know that that's what they're doing, but that's that's a way that could be cool. Yeah. The, uh, the this was... comic is a bit like that. There's one of the stories with Q that's... Oh, yeah, Matt was telling me about that, yeah. ...universe that's sort of, sort of like that. Yeah, you get the new crew, like, going forward in time to, to visit Deep Space Nine or something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 I was glad that when they got to the future, you know, everyone hadn't been replaced by new, different-looking actors. <laughs> well, that would make it easier for the artist. I just assumed that happened all throughout the universe. Right. Well, yes, they're all played by Benedict Cumberbatch now, yeah. who, who like, insists he's not playing any of them. Yeah, but it's like a new reality where, like, Jordy LaForge looks like, you know, Wesley Snipes. Right. Or Picard looks like um, uh, Edward James Olmos. Yes. But this was done for the 30th anniversary of Trek, which is why it was such a big, you know, like, like let's really get this right. Let's, let's celebrate the, the legacy. And uh, Voyager did a corresponding episode where it was a Captain Sulu adventure. And yes. We'll cover that when we get to Voyager. But it was a big deal because both of the Trek series at the time were doing, you know, like homages to the to the legacy of Trek, which mm-hmm. I really liked. And really, I, I my good thing is this looked really super impressive at the time. Like, I remember just my jaw on the floor looking at the original Enterprise from angles I'd never seen. Like, they had like five stock shots of the Enterprise in the old show. Yeah. And this is the first time they really shot it. Like, like you get a nice sweeping, like, up from the underneath the saucer section over the nacelles and stuff like that, and you really get a good look at it, and it's like this is so great. Yeah, there's a there's a neat shot where the, just where they're walking through one of the you know one of the sort of famous looking Enterprise uh, hallways, mm-hmm. and it keeps going instead of just being the same hallway over and over again. Right, and the thing is, I remember like I say, watching it at the time and being really impressed. It still holds up now. It was the 30th anniversary then. It's almost 20 years after that. Yeah. And it still looks good. I wasn't watching any kind of restored version of this. This was the original episode. Like the the one that aired in 1996. Mm -hmm. And it still looks really good, I think. Like all the effects of blending, like when when they're in the bar fight and the, the original actors are fighting and then our guys are fighting in the foreground and just little things where they walk past Kirk and Spock. It all looks natural. That bar fight looked so fucking cool. It did. There were there were a few things where they cut, and it was clear they had shot stuff separately. But it still overall looked all fantastic. The, yeah, I mean, it all together, it, it really just yes. works. And a lot of little editing tricks to just make it feel like our guys were really there, mm-hmm. and just it, it all still really works. Like it's it's not, it doesn't look cheesy now, twenty years later, which no. is nice. No, because it still holds up. The script still holds up. If it was just well, the effects, then yeah, but it's still a good story as well. Oh, yeah. absolutely! That's the, no, I just it's, I, a, I, it's like it's it's a really well executed comedy episode too. It absolutely is. I just I because I could come up with fifty good things. I wanted to specifically call out the effects and the fact that they've aged well. But yeah. yes, you're you're absolutely right about that. That the that the um the script is just spot on. Even like the framing device, like I mentioned, Cisco suffering humorless bureaucrats. That's such a Kirk thing. Oh yeah. There's a nice little, and there's a scene where they're talking about uh, uh, Darwin's faking being, not being a Klingon, and he's like, um, they're just foul-smelling barbarians, and there's this whole little riff about how Worf smells like lilacs. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a nice little moment. It has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It's just a fun little 
let's let's go in this direction for a minute because it's don't funny. Don't be offended, Mister Wolf. I think you smell lovely. <laughs> right. Actually, though, Gav, uh, I've already ruined your idea, but let's try to, to course correct here. You said we should get the bad things out of the way just so we can gush some more. So why why not? Why don't we do that? What was your bad thing? My bad thing was the Defiant uh, would be decloaked for three minutes, and apparently because of the shields of the old Enterprise, no one would see. But I'm like, well, they don't have windows? Well, it was three seconds. Was it three seconds? I thought it was three minutes. Yes, it was three. No, it was three seconds. That would make more sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Quick, think of another one. Uh, Still, uh, it's a pretty big ship. It is. It ended. Good thing no one noticed. Right. Well, even three seconds. Yeah, it was three seconds. You would still. No, you you would think. I don't think that they would be looking out a window because space is, you know, goes off in every direction, and you'd have to be looking exactly in the right spot. But I do think the sensors would pick something up that was decloaked for three. Oh yeah, no, I've never went in all the history of what my watching Star Trek. I've certainly never seen anyone staring out of a window. No, of course they do. <laughs> but you have to be looking at the exact right spot at the exact right time. Well, what the we, odds of that are, you know, it's going to happen eventually. I guess that's true. So they should but, just but, stop uh, decloaking off the, off the board of the Enterprise. I, I like the idea of some ensign seeing it. It's just like, oh my god, a UFO! <laughs> <laughs> what, just like little green men? Yes. Yes, Wait, exactly. No. Um... But no, I do think that the Enterprise sensors would detect a ship suddenly appearing, even if no one was actually directly looking at it. Yeah. Even for three seconds, it would say, wait a minute, there's a vessel that was not here before. What's going on? <laughs> and then Spock would figure it out, because he's Spock. Yep. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Um, so, this was not such a huge deal back when he first appeared, but this time around, wow, did it bother me. Uh, we have the return of Arn Darvin, the least Klingon Klingon that ever there was. Now they did get the same actor from. They the did indeed series. get the same actor. So I I think what what sort of happened was it didn't bother me back when he was you know back when Klingons looked like original series Klingons, mm -hmm. but we've now had you know two other series that have been building up sort of the Klingons we have today. Right. And I mean, you look at one of those, you look at Arn Darvin standing next to, say, Worf, who, mm -hmm. up till, who until he arrived, was, was the, the actual least Klingon Klingon ever. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, you, wow, I did not know that uh, Kronos had stereotypical Jews living on it. Well, he's been disguised as a human for a hundred years. And yet? All right. It's just, <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm Barry. <laughs> yeah, that's his his uh, his disguise is Barry Waddle. Barry which... Waddle, the Klingon. How you doing? But he's he's an old sort of Jewishy looking guy named Barry, and it just made me think of Barry Zuckercorn yeah, from uh, Arrested Development. Well, Barry is very good. <laughs> um, I I don't know. Like, I, apparently, there's this great story about how they're talking about what are we going to do? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? And they're like, well, maybe we could do the Tribbles, but how are we going to get any of the original actors? And they were having this discussion at a pizza place, and the guy who played Darwin just happened to be in the pizza place as they were having this conversation. That sounds made up. He just wandered up and said, hey, I'm Barry. I couldn't help overhearing. <laughs> Here's my card. But that's it. That just the extraordinary coin. Like, even if it's a fake story, I love it. Mm -hmm. It's just so, like, perfect. Like, we obviously need to do this. Well, clearly. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I like that. Uh, my bad thing was, yes. why would a race of nonlinear aliens like the uh, like the uh, prophets have an orb of time? Mm -hmm. 
that's all I got. Like, why would they have a device capable of traveling through time when they don't really know what time is in the first place? I mean, that's when you get right down to it, like, that's the thing. There's a lot of holes in this plot, and I don't give a shit. No, Ron Moore had a, took a pass on this. Like, a bunch of them contributed. Yeah. But you can tell which parts are his, because he is a master of hand wave, hand wave, doesn't matter, let's move on. Yep. Yeah. And when we get to Gav's good thing in a sec, there's there's a, a lot of that actually. But uh, Gav, you actually had a, a counterpoint to the uh, to the orb thing, did you not? Well, it was just uh, that uh, these these orbs are of the Wormbo aliens again. Apparently, I'm a mm -hmm. I'm an apologist for Wormbo aliens. And uh, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> I certainly didn't. Um, <laughs> they uh, it could be just a door to them. These these orbs. It doesn't have to be mm. of. I mean, the people that named it were. The Bajorans, presumably, the orb. That of is time, true. The orb of prophecy. They're all just mm. probably doors. I guess that makes sense. Like it, it could be just weird, normal technology to them that seems weird to us, kind of thing. Yeah, and then, and then it's annoying to the wormhole aliens that they're just bringing and putting them all in the same place. <laughs> so they can't go hey, anywhere. Thank... <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense. Hey, thanks to the orb of time. Orb of what? <laughs> what? What of what of what now? What? These aren't orb-shaped. Why would you call them that? <laughs> They're hourglass-shaped. They're clearly hourglass-shaped. We sent you this hourglass of thing that we don't know what it is, <laughs> so you could travel back into the thing that we don't know what it is. But I mean, hey, as far as how do you wave, even know what, a, what an hourglass is? Uh, oh, shit. good point. <laughs> uh, shut up, that's why. It, it <laughs> is adversarial. This one is on to us. Um... But really, like, hand-waving-wise, really, it is just, like, like how does Barry figure it out in five seconds? Mm -hmm. Or Darwin, or whatever we're calling him. How, how, how do, like, not only does he travel in time, they travel in space to the exact, like, right outside K7 at the right moment. Like, there's, there's so much, if you really picked at it, it wouldn't make sense. But who fucking cares? Yep. Because yeah, at the end, like, like the... it... Oh, Go ahead, man. I was just going to say, I liked how quickly everything got moving. Within minutes, yeah. they're back in the past. Yeah, it's... And that's been my primary complaint with guys like Brandon Braga. He's not the only one, but who want to spend most of the episode explaining how we got there instead of being there. Yeah, we don't care. We're no. here for one reason. Right, but I mean, in other types of episodes where it's maybe an interesting premise if you get past the stupid part. Yep. I mean, for all, you know, for all its flaws, the previous episode didn't spend a lot of time explaining how Keiko got possessed. It just got on with it. Like, mm -hmm. we didn't see her getting possessed. She showed up in the teaser and she was evil and we moved on with it. Mm -hmm. Which I'll give it credit for that, at least. Like, who cares how it happened? Just get on with the character part. And, okay, so is that all the bad things we have? Because yeah. the rest is just going to be, you know... Let's get on to the hand clapping. Three little children just, like, <laughs> gleefully, you know... Now, Gav, I'm assuming... I, I'm sure you love this one as much as we do, but I, I haven't heard you say that. So. It, it was all right. You know, um, what? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, dear. That was fantastic. No, <laughs> my third note was, this is, this is uh, you know, great already. I, see, I figured, but, you know, because, because you're you, because you're, you are not English, but you are so English. <laughs> That's fine. Like, you don't, you know, you don't openly jump up and down like we do. I will say, though, that uh, Flonk had originally staked a claim to this episode and gave it up because his favorite DS9 episode is later this season, so he had to give it up. And I put the word out to all the other guests, like, hey, this one's open. And it took Gav maybe three seconds. Mine! Dibs! Yoink! So, Mine? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I've watched this episode... 
I don't know, 50 times over the course of my life. And every single time the Enterprise shows up at the beginning, I just like, I just get this big grin. Yep. They like play the, the uh, they, they play up the original theme song. And yeah. Yes. It's just it, everything about it is yep. it's my favorite show interacting with my other favorite show. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's so great. Oh, and they give Dax this just Dax is sort of the fanboy stand in. Yeah. She does a lot of sort of like fetishizing the not not sexually fetishizing. Although Although no the the equipment and the outfits and the she's like she's into the old classic uh uh tricorder. Yep. And she just she loves this stuff and it's like hey she's us. Yeah. Well, it's nostalgia for her, isn't it? Yeah. Which they talk about that as well, which is nice. Uh, so, Gav, what was your good thing? My good thing was Worf's response to the uh, the Klingons of that era. The, mm. the whole, everyone's like, they're not Klingons, and then they look over at Worf, and uh, he's like, oh. And then, but he, he just doesn't really give an explanation. It's, uh, we do not talk about what was outsiders. Which, which is I, Which perfect. is great, yeah. You don't, it doesn't need an explanation. Plus, I know yeah. these diehard fans. Um, yep. Roland Moore wrote that Worf's explanation, or, or lack thereof, into the script because he felt that there was not a single explanation that is less preposterous than any other others. Well, the For thing sure. is, when the ridgy-headed Klingons showed up in the motion picture, they weren't recognizable. Like, they weren't the same guys. No. So it didn't matter. You didn't need to explain it because these are also Klingons. It doesn't matter. But then, like, and then you got Worf and you got all that stuff in Next Gen. But once you get into bringing back Kor and Koloth and uh, Kang who used to be smooth-headed and now are bumpy-headed, now you're in a whole weird, like, okay, so did they used to... Like, now it makes it a little weird. And it's like, yeah, we've bi- we backed ourselves into a corner now. What the fuck do we do? And mm. what we do is this. Nothing. <laughs> Which I like. Yeah, it doesn't need an explanation, as you said. No. It's just... But, I mean, up up until the point where we had old guys returning, it could just be, oh, there's two races in the Klingon Empire. No big deal. Yeah. It's just not important. Like, honestly, that was my assumption until then. Yeah. But then it was like, oh, well, I, just, I still don't care that much. Of course, certain shows will inevitably try to explain it because everything has to be explained, I guess. I don't know. I haven't Screw seen those episodes. Screw you, Enterprise. <laughs> I haven't seen those episodes. I cannot comment. I don't like the idea of explaining it, but maybe it's good. I don't know. It I haven't seen it yet. Brad Spiner's in it, so it can't be all bad. Hmm? We will see. I, am, I bet it can. I am trying to take the Lord. position that I, I don't know about like i'm trying to go into enterprise i'm trying to clear away my pre uh pre-existing notions of enterprise and and try to go in with an open mind voyager's ruined and i'm bra- and i'm embracing them because i'm a jerk <laughs> i've been called out by some listeners that that we're really not giving it a fair shot and like we're probably no not. they're they're right yeah yeah but you don't have to you're not an impartial show are you i know but really if we're if we're committed to being miserable for three years of well, two well, different series we know we hate, then you know. There are legitimately good episodes of Voyage. I will say that. I'm going to isolate that sound clip and play it for you. <laughs> At the and, most inconvenient time. Uh, but you see, I will pick the legitimately good episodes of Voyage. <laughs> you, ah. you are the only one who knows what they are. So. Yeah, that's the thing. When I, I put out the list to you guys, I'll know which ones they are because they're the ones you'll have picked. <laughs> I, I have the Rosetta Stone that tells you these things. <laughs> Is it an orb? <laughs> yes. Why the fuck are we talking about Voyager? Um, Why the fuck are we talking about Voyager? I don't know. Matt, what was your good thing about this episode? 
I got this episode made me miss the original series so much. Yeah, it did. It's been just long enough to, since we watched it that, you know, I'm at that point where I can totally miss the old Enterprise, the 60s looking sets, the classic uniforms and everything. It's just a perfectly executed love letter to the original series. Um, mm-hmm. My one good, th- my my most good thing <laughs> in a list Mm-hmm. is just I fucking love getting the DS9 crew into the K7 bar fight and then the dressing down scene afterwards. It's oh. such, like, it's such a combination, like, a perfect combination of just DS9 and this great scene from, like, basically the Star Trek episode. Yes. What I like is you think, like, a lot of people at this point, I remember watching it and, and being online and talking to people, a lot of people thought that DS9 really lost its way, like, like Star Trek was not Star Trek anymore. This show is so dark and it's so different. And it's so, and seeing how easily these things mesh together, you realize, no, it's still Star Trek. Like these things still completely fit in the same universe. Everything's fine. Yeah. This is a little lighter than what we usually do, mm. but these things clearly belong together. They're not, it's not as different as you think it is. No. And that's, that's a nice reminder to people who maybe weren't that into to DS9. Like, no, no, this is still true to the legacy. These guys totally fit here. Mm. And I like that. Um, I did. I actually last night watched. Uh, I watched this again to to take notes and stuff. And I watched uh, the original Trouble with Tribbles just to for comparison, and seeing some of the shots that they used and all that. It was really interesting just to see like who was standing where O'Brien was standing in that dressing down scene. Yeah. And little things like that, and just how well they integrated it. And uh, like the shot of uh, Quark at the end with the Tribbles surrounded surrounding him was a duplicate of the shot of the bartender in the K7 station yeah, with a triple on his head surrounded by triple. And there's a lot of little things like that. It's just so much care clearly went into this episode. You know, yeah. everyone was so just so, so prepared to, to make this like just a perfect 30th anniversary celebration. Yeah. There's even tiny details like um, there's there's a bit where Shatner and his Shatnerness. Somebody says the grain is in the storage compartments. And he goes, storage compartments, storage compartments. You know, like just in that very Shatnery way. And they got Avery Brooks to say it similarly. We're like, uh, we think it's in the storage compartments. And he goes, storage compartments, storage compartments. And it's like, that's the one over the top actor mimicking another over the top actor. It's just delightful. There's another great bit where uh, O'Brien and all don't like think like some, some other guy is Kirk. Oh yeah! Because oh yeah! They, they're not going to know who Kirk is, so they think that, that, that's another guy. But it turns out well, the other guy was, in fact, William Shatner's uh, stuntman back in right. the day. So it's just—it's funny on its own, just them yeah. not knowing who Kirk is. But then when you have that extra layer of meaning, it's just that much funnier. It's—it's it's approaching Arrested Development layers of comedy. Yep, that's probably why I like it so much because it's—it's something that's folding back on itself yep. and is crazy self-referential and yeah it's you have to watch it over and over to get all the jokes and and it's fantastic mm-hmm. um i love there's a bit at the very beginning where the time cops are like uh uh you know which enterprise first of all it's the first enterprise so there's that but uh oh his ship james kirk oh. 17 violations man was a menace <laughs> this is like yep that is exactly what those guys like that is exactly how they would think of that guy. Like, oh, God. This guy again. Ugh. He's the worst. And the only people I feel worse for are the people who police uh, prime directive violations. Yeah. <laughs> 738 God. separate violations. Right. 
they actually have to coordinate with the time cops because Kirk went back in time to violate the Prime Directive two or three times in a row. And violated it before it was even written. Right. Um, so there's a point where Dax is removing her spots, like when, when they're all dressing up. And I feel like it's because we could not handle all of that hotness at once. Yeah. Her in the short skirt and also the spots are just too much. But yeah, yeah. Does, she, does she go all the way down with the removing of the spots? I guess so, because she you can see her legs. Mm. Yeah, but trust me, I looked. There will be a future episode uh, where next she wears week actually suit. is that is that the bathing suit episode? Already? I believe it is. All right, so and, you know, and yeah, you do see the spots. Dibs. Too. Yeah, uh, actually, no. We, uh, Ryan's on next week, and he may he may have called that one. I'm not sure. Son of a bitch. We give the guests first crack, except except with this one. I called this one back when we did Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah, we set this up when Trouble with Tribbles came up. It's like, okay, I will take Trouble with Tribbles. You will get Trials and Tribulations. Right. Uh, every time I heard the uh, the communicator sound, I thought I had a, a direct message from Twitter because that's the sound that I have play. Yep. Um, there's, a, there's a great bit where there's a hot 60s looking girl just throwing herself at Julian. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole scene like well, that. That could be my great grandmother. What if you know? This is a classic scene. All right, but if we get back to the station and I don't exist, you're gonna feel pretty stupid. No, I like. I can't wait to see the look on your face when <laughs> I don't exist. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, Ron Moore had mentioned that the music should have been a little more '60s. I agree with him on that. Mm. Uh, let's see what else. This was actually like I wasn't watching DS9. Back when, uh, back when this mm. aired, um, did you watch this one though? I did watch this one. I saw the commercial. I'm like, I gotta watch that. Mm-hmm. Like, and this was back when I. This is back when not only was I not watching DS9, but I had like complete disdain for DS9 for no reason. A lot of people did. Yep. And it's not no reason. It's because you thought Star Trek should happen on a ship. Yep. It was a hard leap for some people to make. I was the same way. I just came around a little sooner. Mm-hmm. Gav, were you watching it at this point? I think so. Yeah, I think I started watching it when I watched it in video because it wasn't. I don't think I had anything that was on TV. So whenever the videos ah. came out, I bought them. So like a, them maybe the maybe a couple of years delay, something like that. I think it was just maybe six months. Mm. Really? Possibly. Yeah, huh. it was the same with Next Generation. I first watched that on a on a video rental video, right? And, and then it came oh. out on BBC Two, BBC Two, uh, shortly after that. <laughs> I was not um, aware. Yeah. Same with Voyager for a bit. Until <laughs> I caught on. Uh, yeah. So, huh. yeah. I, I wasn't aware of the, the like, how things aired over there, because I know now you more or less get U.S. shows, like, maybe with a slight delay, but more or less the yeah, same time we do. Less, yeah, pretty much the same time. <laughs> but there weren't as many channels back then, so. All of, your, all of our American shows arrive as soon as we get the new Doctor Who. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. They they have boats that they put into the into the middle of the Atlantic and make a larger yep. arrangement. Oh, it's like a, I thought it was like a throw me the idol and I'll throw you the whip situation. Where no, you're not getting anything till we get Doctor Who. Well, yep. well it, it was almost going to be a Superman three situation where all of the ships were sent into the middle of the ocean, but then I couldn't really work it. Except there's this one boat that's going the wrong way, <laughs> and it's got season seven of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh God, the best one. Well. Not necessarily the best one, but there's a lot of good stuff. Anyway, um, the the two uh, uh, bureaucrats were named Dolmer mm-hmm. and Luxley, which mm-hmm. right. memory alpha says are anagrams of Mulder and Scully. Yeah, right. I like that. Which really just made me wish that Scully was here. 
But then I often wish that, especially from 1994. Well, yeah. At the height of her powers. (laughs) This was, X-Files was huge at this point. It was kind of like, the you know... I, I believe I don't know if they were losing Emmys to them or whatever, but like in fan polls for sure, what's your favorite sci-fi show on TV right now? It was always like X Files and then Star Trek. Yep. But it was always sort of a friendly like they didn't resent them or anything. They were I believe they were fans as well. And I'm pretty sure Little Green Men was meant as sort of a X Files homage as well. Oh, like, definitely. Okay, you're, you're doing Roswell stuff, so we'll wait. And so yeah, it was a nice little nod. Like you don't usually see them acknowledging like they make references to stuff all the time but not usually stuff that's current with what they're doing Mm -hmm. so it was cool to see that uh what else there's a there's a bit where kirk comes up to the bridge the tribbles are everywhere he sits in the captain's chair there's a tribble he he, uh he picks it up and he looks over his shoulder in the original episode he looks over his shoulder at nothing (laughs) and holds the look for a second and then goes about his business in this one now they put dax there with this cute little shrug yep and it's like they were just holding a place for it, like in the original. Like it's not awkward or anything, but he's not reacting to anything. Yeah, and, and he's like, "Oh, Dax would fit perfectly right here." So it's what? Very am, strange. What exactly am I supposed to be looking at? Don't worry about it, Bill. In about thirty-eight years, we'll put a hot girl in there for you to stare at. <laughs> well, why don't you put her in now? <laughs> Walter Koenig says that apparently he was paid more for the broadcast rights for them to use his likeness in this episode than he was for the original episode. <laughs> Which is just sad. Well, I think a lot of things about Walter Canning's life are. Well, this is true. But but I do feel bad for, you know, like a second tier member of a cast of a show not getting paid, you know, very much. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, I remember there being a vague controversy with the original guys. Like, no, we're not going to clear our images or something like that. I, but I don't remember any specifics and there wasn't anything on Memory Alpha about it. Mm-hmm. So it's probably one of those things I made up, like the Terry Farrell thing. <laughs> yeah, probably. Apparently you're just full of fake uh, Star Trek facts. <laughs> I guess. Much like me in real facts. Uh-huh. Yeah, the problem is I'm very specifically doing a Star Trek podcast where I'm putting information out there, and maybe I should just stop doing <laughs> that. Uh, There's there's an awesome scene at the end where Cisco introduces himself to Captain Kirk, just because he's like, I, I had to. I had to shake his hand. Just look, if you want to... If you want to reprimand me, go ahead. Yeah, please. It's yeah. still worth it. And and one of the time cops, the, the less humorless of the two, says, eh, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Which is great. But the scene is great, except what they used was footage from uh, Mirror Mirror, which uh, they go to the alternate uh, evil universe. He, he hooks up with the captain's woman. Then he comes back and meets the good version of her. And it's clear he's going to have sex with her at some point. Yep. So the thing is, he's, he introduces himself. He shakes hands. She walks away. He gives Spock a look like, eh? And the original look was, eh? Obviously, I'm going to hit that. And and now he's doing it about Cisco. Yep. Which is a little creepy. <laughs> well, so, maybe he is, I don't know. I could be. My takeaway from that was always just like, Spock, I like the cut of that man's jib. Promote him. Well, yeah, it, <laughs> the way it plays out, yes. But once you know what it comes from, it makes it creepy. Yes. <laughs> it's probably better not to know. Um, that that's about all for me. Like, I could just gush and gush. Like, this is just perfect. Like, yeah. Th- it's almost as perfect as a Star Trek episode gets. I mean, do you guys have any more points or any more? Well, well, well I have about just, just, I mean, all the, you know, all the original series things were done great, but it's great that they gave mm-hmm. the Deep Space Nine thing crew, or most of them, things to do. Um, yes. I mean, Cisco was great in this, even just his comedic face acting. <laughs> and there's just little, little bits where they, uh, 
the two bureaucrats were playing with his ball were they? Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in the episode and then put it down and he just looks the, he just there's just a bit where he's just looking at the ball for a bit as if I can't believe, can't believe they picked that up um, and <laughs> I usually really, spot that that's great I really he, dropped the ball and then he's wondering where the other three were but then he remembers he couldn't count and there's only one um <laughs> No, he's he's got like we always point this out. The great little ticks. Like there's a bit where he slaps his chest to to contact the defiant, and then he has a moment like, oh shit, no, it's it's flip communicators here. But he does this great little finger snap, like, oh right, and it's just it's it's adorable. Like I love his little ticks like that. It's all adorable. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. I love uh, O'Brien and uh, uh, Bashir poking around in uh, the ship, the uh, the ship, one of the ship's uh, compartments. Oh, you're looking at Scotty's handiwork? And O'Brien's just like, I don't know how any of this works. Yeah, what the fuck is this? But I was thinking about it. would be like us, you know, looking at computers and then a hundred years ago, they just wouldn't be, it would just be completely different. Oh, yeah. Well, true. But I bet O'Brien would have studied the way old systems work, especially now that he's working on an old shitty, you know, it's alien, but it's still an old shitty, like, uh, thing. It's kind of like how Sulu knew how to fly a helicopter. Like, some of these guys are really into their thing and study old stuff. Mm-hmm. Like or like how have... Sulu's really good at shooting old guns. Right. <laughs> I or love like... shooting guns. I forgot about the guns. Wow. Ah, I forgot I like... about that voice. I like, yeah, they went to the, uh... I like shooting off. <laughs> <laughs> going to fly around in a helicopter and then shoot a gun. <laughs> I'm going to reenact the last 15 minutes of Mitchell. I, hey. I'm a real Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> Do you want to see my chopper? <laughs> it, it was unfortunate that Takei wasn't in this, but uh, uh, like I say, he was he was in the Captain Sulu episode of Voyager, so it all sort of even like it all evened out. We got a bit of everybody, yeah, from the original crew in the 30th anniversary thing that year. So, but I guess uh, Takei was off shooting Green Berets at this point, yeah, and was not not in the original episode. Had to be in a war movie. So, uh, basically, George Takei is the Sirach Lofton of this episode. <laughs> George Takei does not appear in this episode. But I was at Miles O'Brien's birthday party for some reason. <laughs> Look, it's Admiral I, Sulu here to bring you a present. I got you a bottle of scotch. I got, No, no, I got you a bottle of booze. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's space absinthe. It'll make you trip balls. <laughs> Just picture him holding drunk Odo's hair as he throws up. Hmm? That's right, buddy. Get it all out. I've done this for my <laughs> husband, Brad, many times. <laughs> That's Takei's thing now, right? Just working his husband, Brad, into every possible conversation? Well, when I was with my husband, Brad... <laughs> so, I've been waiting 50 years to marry a man. I am not going to shut up about this now. <laughs> That's understandable. No, I'm I'm cool with it. It's just, it's cute, because he's like a 70-year-old man who now gets to talk about his husband, and he's just so happy about it. Like, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. It's and funny. I know who's coming in. Let me tell you about your husband. Shut up! <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about your husband. <laughs> Have you um, seen my orb of time? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, because I'm the one who edits this, and I don't mind that I'm creating a little more work for myself, I have chosen three quotes. Because fuck it. Matt, you don't get to do this. Oh. This is the only time I'm going to do this. I could not choose. So first, uh, we have the um, the bit where uh, Dax and Cisco are working on a panel, 
And Kirk and Spock walk by, and she says this. I had no idea. What? He's so much more handsome in person. Those eyes. Kirk had quite the reputation as a ladies' man. Not him. Spock. Which was a great sort of, like, fanboy. Like, oh, yeah, the, the, the fangirls back then were way more into Nimoy than they were into Shatner. Like, yep. Shatner was supposed to be the, you know, the sexy one, but nah. <laughs> Uh, my, my second quote is uh, something that Gav alluded to earlier, his good thing, actually, which was the conversation with Worf, and that's this. What'll it be, boys, and don't ask for Ractagino. If I have to say we don't carry Who that one more time. The Klingons. Klingons? Over there and over there. Those are Klingons? All right. You boys have had enough. Mr. Worf? They are Klingons. And it is a long story. What happened? Some kind of genetic engineering? A viral mutation? We do not discuss it with outsiders. Again, delightful. <laughs> delightful. And the third one is uh, Dax having, uh, copping to having met Bones before. I know him. It must be McCoy, the ship's doctor. McCoy. McCoy. Well, the nearest thing I can figure out is that they're born pregnant. Which seems to be quite a time saver. Leonard McCoy. I met him when he was a student at Old Miss. Who met him, Curzon? No. My host at the time was Emily. She was on Earth judging a gymnastics competition. I had a feeling he'd become a doctor. He had the hands of a surgeon. So yes, the, these guys are all reacting to three quotes. Like, should we should we clap? What's are you playing another? What are you playing? I don't understand. <laughs> Trust me, it's all seamless. But no, I I loved that. I that, like Dax. Dax just said all the best stuff. Yeah, that's because she rocks now. Yep, it took them a while, but they got there. Yep. So yes, this episode, uh, in case you weren't clear, this episode was great. It was. Yes. I agree. Yes. Anything else? Um, I think no. that's it. I was going to mention, well. no, that's, that's it. Well, if you got some, I mean, you know. Hey. Well, not really related, but StarTrek.com, you know how they have their vote things every week. Mm -hmm. It's sort of related to, to the Enterprise. They, uh, what asked which one would people like to command on the Enterprise E one for some reason. Really? Huh. That's I strange. mean, I don't have the problems with the Enterprise E that certain other char or characters, characters? Other people on this He's show. a character? Yes. <laughs> oh, he's a character, all right. That Al. Uh, I don't hate it. I just don't feel a connection to it. It was in three movies and that was it. Mm. No, I, like, I, it, I like it, but I mean, you've got the other ones there. Why not pick that? That's that's honestly my main argument is we had more time getting to know other ships like the the classic Enterprise is obviously very familiar. The Enterprise D is very familiar. It's just weird that you would pick something that was in, you know, six hours of screen time and that's all. Mm -hmm. that, that's all I'm saying. Well, regardless of what your opinion of the best ship is, it seems like, I don't know, I'd want to commend the original just because it's classic. It's the you know. original. Right. Yeah, that is that is strange. They did yeah. sort of allude to it here, where they where he said there's been five Enterprises, and the guy corrects him and says six. And it's like, first contact was just about to come out, 
and it was a nice nod to we're we're just about to commission the new Enterprise or whatever. You know, like it's yeah. a nice little fanboy thing. Like, ooh, six, nice. There's gonna be an E because we didn't know at this point. We assume, but we <laughs> yeah. we didn't know. Yes, thirty two percent voted for E. Huh. Mm, all right. That's really surprising. I mean, you know. You got yeah. an original one right there. Yeah. But or uh the more, D. That's a fucking great ship too. I think so. twenty five percent D. More people uh-huh. voted for J than than uh, than A. Wasn't that B. in a one off like Enterprise Voyager one. or Enterprise episode? Yeah. Which one was it? I don't remember. I have no idea. One of the Enterprise ones. The J. Yeah. Oh, was it in Inter- Yeah, there was there was some one off. I thought it might have been a Voyager, but it might have been Enterprise. This the like far future, like you mm. get to briefly see the Enterprise J, which is eh, fine, whatever. All right. Uh, so Gav, uh, once again, uh, not that there's anyone left listening who doesn't know, but I always like to give you the opportunity, please, to be telling the people how you spend your time. <laughs> yes, plug uh, your plugs. Plug. DrunkenTimeJavel.com, Doctor Who, beer, comedy. It's hilarious. We're on the third Doctor at the moment, and we've just met the Master. For the first time? Very nice. For the first time. And it's awesome. It is. uh, And we have just started uh, planning in earnest for our annual crossover. Yep. Which we'll be posting right around Christmas time. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and announce this now, because we've determined this is what's going to happen. We will be watching... Nothing to do with Star Trek or Doctor Who, because I think we've ex- exhausted all the possibilities there. Yeah, we really sort of covered everything, you know. Like, we each watched the what we thought were sort of defining episodes, and we each watched sort of terrible episodes, and, like, we, we couldn't think of other combinations that really worked. So we're just going to go sort of outside what we do now. And this was Matt's idea. We decided <laughs> we're going to watch the infamous Star Wars holiday special. Yes, yep. it's all his fault. It is all Matt's fault. Matt, of the four of us, of, mm-hmm. of you and English Gav and, and me and him, he's the only one who's actually seen it. Yep. It, will, it will be new to the rest of us. So there's that. My plan is to make you all as indifferent to Star Wars as I am. Uh, that's not going to happen. I, I am a, I'm a big fan of, of the Star Wars, but uh, I've heard of this thing by reputation for years, and oh boy. <laughs> yep. I don't, like, I don't drink. I'm I'm not a drinker, but you, I may have to will, drink. You will after that. I may have to yeah. have a couple. <laughs> but we will we will sort out the details. Uh, that should be posting, like I say, somewhere around Christmas. Yeah, so pretty close to Christmas. Look forward to that. I just I feel like that's a nice thing we do once a year around around the end of the year, just uh, to to get together and do things like yeah. that, and uh, should be a lot of fun. So look forward to that. Uh, and with that, Matt, please say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.